from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Welcome back to The Hit Show, everybody. My name is Darby Robinson, and joining me today is Brett Phillips. Uh, how's it going, Brett? I'm doing great. I'm calling in from New Orleans right now. This is this is exciting stuff. We have now West West Coast and Central time. Represent, we're representing as adding. much as we can. <laughs> exactly. So today we're going to be uh, just me and Brett. Um, Danny is suspended because his takes about Tim Beckham were so bad after he defended the indefensible Tim Beckham <laughs> trade, and now that Tim Beckham is. Uh, literally Mike Trout, this is, uh, I think Danny needs to cool it off for like a few weeks because that was the worst possible take. No, uh, Danny will be uh, missing a couple weeks, but um, you know what? He he deserves some time off. He's he's a hard worker. But now we got some new voices, a new pairing. So let's see how this goes. Nice, yeah. (laughs) Danny's Danny's choice to defend that trade is a real black marker in this organization, and he needs to take some time off just to rethink some things. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to have to take a little, little, we're going to try to separate ourselves, the brand, you know. Um, Yeah, (laughs) we love you, Danny. This this is all all jokes. We all jokes. Um, So... We're going to start this cast off with, again, a sort of a little level set, what's going on with the Rays. And uh, what's going on with the Rays is that the, everything sucks. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> really bad. Everything is so, so bad right now. Um, yeah, so we try, you know, so we are very much more of like an analytical podcast. We try to, like, take things, you know, we try to look at things as calmly and rationally as possible. But we also are humans and fans. And, uh, yeah, this has been really bad. Really unfun baseball for a while, actually. Uh, this is the Rays are now under 500 after this loss today. This is August 13th, uh, and they lost again, a loss of series to the Cleveland Indians. You lose a game to Corey Kluber, that's you know, he's a really good pitcher. Um, but we've made everybody look like Corey Kluber, <laughs> we've we've yeah, made exactly. non Klubers. And Clevenger and made, you know, Carlos Carrasco, who, again, has had some history of success against the Rays. Of course, we all remember when Joey Butler broke up his no-hitter bid a couple years ago. But, boy, it's hard to watch this team right now from an offense perspective, isn't it? It's – I think the exciting thing is this is a, you know, good news, bad news situation. Good news is bullpen looks fixed. Uh, yes. Other good news, starting pitching looks great. Bad news – Man, the offense is terrible. Just the worst. <laughs> it's the reverse of everything that's been happening in the beginning of the year. The the script was seems to be like almost completely flipped, and it's 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 insane. From it's, a from a fan's perspective, from my fans' perspective, from a non analytical perspective, it's totally insane, and I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, you you imagine like you know you have the the constants, right? You have certain things. Rays uh, first half of the season, the Rays were the fourth best offense. Uh, in baseball by uh, weighted runs creation plus fourth best in all of baseball in mm. the second half since uh, the all-star break the Rays are the worst the absolute dead last team uh, by that same metric they are terrible on offense in the second half now a lot of that is the last 10 games where the Rays have been shut out five times flip a coin will the Rays score a run and that's about as accurate 
that's that's just so weird. Yeah, you don't go from being one of the best offensive teams to the absolute worst offensive team um, without having like major injury. And there really hasn't been any major injuries. The Rays have actually added Lucas Duda. They, you know, we we joke about Tim Beckham. He is unbelievable right now. He is hitting mm-hmm. off his charts. He is also a very streaky hitter, and he was kind of contributing to the the downward slope. He was had a WRC plus of I think twenty eight. Uh, until the trade deadline. So he was slumping horribly for the Rays like everybody else. Uh, and so he was one of our, our, our worst hitters like everybody else. Um, but now he is hitting great. It's not really been just that, though. Like The, the team is just struggling against righties. It's got, struggling against lefties. Um, is, there, yeah. is there a light at the end of the tunnel that's not a train followed by like more <laughs> trains? <laughs> yeah, I felt like a like a Looney Tunes Roadrunner sort of thing where they do that. I mean, I the way I see it is that it's it really can't and I mean this, it really can't get any worse. I mean, I'm looking what something that Mark Topkin tweeted uh tweeted out a, a day or two ago. And uh in the eight game stretch that not uh, today's game, but uh, starting on August 12th, I'm trying to see if I can see the calendar in my head. August 12th to eight games back, the Rays were shut out five times in those eight games, which was like the first time in Tampa Bay Rays history for sure. But it's one of the longest and most pathetic shutout streaks in baseball and in, in Major League Baseball history. And a lot of that comes from guys like, you know, Steven Souza Jr., who today hit a nice two-run home run but was in a little bit of a slump. Guys like Corey Dickerson, who've been slumping, even though, again, Dickerson did hit a three-run home run on the, on the one Indians game that they won this series. I mean, guys like this are going to break out. They're going to do a little bit better. I mean, Dickerson is going to maybe not light the world on fire like he did in the first half, but he will get better. He'll do better than 0 for 21 or whatever the numbers that he had. And Souza is doing well. He's, he's slumping recently too. And this team is going to click. It's going to come back a little bit. Will it be as power hungry and explosive as it was in the first half? Eh, maybe, but I do think the light at the end of the tunnel is the fact that the bullpen was like you said, Darby, it's looks to be kind of fixed. I mean, it's never a done deal, but after the trade deadline, the bullpen has performed pretty well. Tommy Hunter and Steve Sishak are really looking good. I don't know. I, I, I feel gloomy, but I have hope. That that's where the I think the the hope does. You're you're totally right. Like the bullpen was the one thing that our our you know all of our fans you know everybody uh, every Rays fan out there we could hear it from you know Twitter and then all of our commenters on D Rays Bay we could see it. You know Rays fans from across the nation they were calling out uh, in in just rage about the bullpen and how they you know they were sick of seeing you know games blown. That's not really the case anymore. Today, um, Tommy Hunter gets saddled with a loss, but you know he gave up his first run in, in like another like twelve appearances or something like that. Um, Tommy Tutals has been like automatic. He's been one of the best relievers, not just with the Rays. He's been one of the best you know setup guys in, in baseball. Um, yeah. Colome is sort of settled back into being Alex Colome. Uh, you mentioned Cishek, even Sergio Romo, who is uh, an absolute you know, dumpster dive of, you know, a uh, uh, pickup, you know, the Dodgers were dumping him and the Rays mm-hmm. decided to take a shot. And uh, Romo had one of his best performances recently. And, and he's been pretty much automatic since his kind of rough uh, start in New York. So mm-hmm. you have, you have, you have Romo pitching. Well, you have young guys like uh, Ryan Stanek and uh, Jose Alvarado 
who came yeah. back and Alvarado pitched an immaculate inning, uh, nine oh pitches, nine strikes, nine, uh, three strikeouts. That's like, there's some, there's a lot of stuff and we haven't even gotten to see, uh, Jamie Schultz and, uh, Che Wee Hoo coming back. And this is, this bullpen's looking really good. Um, there's even a tweet today about, uh, Nathan Avaldi who, um, I mean, if people even remember, Nathan Avaldi was signed by the Rays in the offseason. He had, um, I think, Tommy John surgery, but he's recovering, and he's signed sort of a two-year deal. We weren't even sure if he was going to pitch at all this year. He's he's actually now rehabbing, uh, and apparently he was touching 97, so he could be a September bullpen option. Uh, the bullpen's looking good. The starting pitching's looking good. Maybe, like you're saying, if the if the offense isn't, you know, the lights out fourth best, you know, top five offense in baseball, if they're maybe just top 15, if they start to produce a little bit more with this pitching, uh, this team could be more like the, the Rays of old, which is enough offense to, to back behind a really good pitching and, uh, and defense. Yeah, I think so too. And it doesn't have to be lighting the world on fire offensively. It just needs to normalize to some level. You're never going to have these guys go in these you know, crazy, crazy stumps for the whole year. But I, I mean, you, you said it, it's, I would love to see Nathan Avaldi, you know, you, you forget about him, but he, he, he's a great addition. He pitched well for the Yankees before he needed Tommy John surgery, just like actually, just like Chase Whitley did. He also pitched for the Yankees before needing surgery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would love to see a guy like nasty Nate come in throwing 97 towards the end. And he might even fill that role that fans, you know, don't want to put the cart before the horse here. The Rays, as of right now, are out of the second wild card. But it would be great to have like a late September bullpen a guy to come in throw ninety seven. This would be the kind of role that fans seem to want to see Brent Honeywell in towards the end of the year. Yeah, and that, and that's a guy you know I didn't mention, but yeah, Brent Honeywell could absolutely be a guy that comes up, and if they want to kind of hold his his innings down, he could be a, a reliever. So. Yeah, let's uh let's kind of move into that. Um, before we do, the one other thing of positivity about the Rays, as bad as it is, if it it will get better, and the Rays are not out of it. In fact, they're two games back of the second wild card spot right now. Four games back of the Yankees for the top wild card spot. But every team that they're in this giant pile in in the American League are. They're all super flawed. <laughs> like the yes, twins, yes. the twins are a half a game back of the wild card because they've gone eight and two. The twins aren't a good team either. Like the, they're they're an average team by uh, Pythagorean uh, kind of projections. They're actually wildly above. They should be right at this pace, about fifty three and sixty two. Instead, they're at uh, fifty nine and fifty seven. Uh, the Kansas City Royals are pl- performing well above. Their projections. Seattle has lost every starting pitcher in the entire <laughs> Puget Sound area, and they're still somehow winning. Baltimore has got one of the worst starting rotations ever assembled, and that's including Seattle, who are on their 19th starter, and, and they're still performing. So you have you have these teams that are all kind of in this pile. The Rays' offense is struggling unbelievably mightily. But the Twins are also performing wildly above, and so that's going to kind of settle down. The Angels are performing well above, and that's going to settle down. The Orioles pitching staff is going to catch up. So really it comes down to when things start to settle down, who gets hot at the right time. The Rays are still in this situation where they could get hot late and absolutely take it. And possibly what could spark that is the guy you just mentioned, uh, perhaps the most exciting potential call-up in – Man, 
like since maybe David Price for the Rays, Will Myers I would, maybe. I, I would maybe say Matt Moore, yeah, but for sure it's up there. They're up there with him, man. It's he, you know, I I got the I don't know if if you to all of our listeners uh, last a couple of weeks ago I did a episode of this podcast where I talked about going to the Futures game and the All Star game in Miami, and one thing that I got to do was see Brett Honeywell in person. Not only meet him and talk to him, but watch him pitch, and it's so. It's really cool. <laughs> I don't really have much, uh, you know. I'm trying to trying to sound a little bit profound here, but I can't. I did get to see the screwball. I saw the screwball pretty close. It's like a backup slider. It is so weird. I love it. He's awesome. With the first pitch of the game that he threw, hit 97. Ugh. So he was pumped. Maybe that that gun in Miami might have been a little bit juiced. I saw that it was riding high on guys. I didn't think that it threw that harder whatever, but man, he, he, he is an exciting young prospect who just as, you know, as a little side note is like a really funny guy and pretty charming too. And a great person to interview. Um, I would love to see him. And I also love too, as another side note, I love how anytime a top prospect gets called up in baseball or something happens <laughs> with the race, he like retweets it on Twitter. It's like, Hey guys, I'm ready whenever you are. He is, he is not a shy guy. He is definitely no. not an introvert. No, Brent Honeywell's uh he's a must follow on Twitter. Absolutely. He is hilarious. He's really weird, uh, but in a really good way. Um right. yeah, you, there's also videos of him uh hanging out with the Suspetus um family barbecue guys. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it that's just a, a partnership made in heaven right there and baseball oh. meme heaven. Um <laughs> So Brent Honeywell, since July, just throw out these just stupid, stupid, sexy numbers. So since July, not including the Futures game, which he which he also won MVP for, he's pitched 32 and two-thirds innings. He's given up four runs, and he's struck out 45 uh, hitters. Jeez. He is just, just, he's so beyond AAA, it's silly. He's just kind of... Uh, just, you know, just throwing his stuff, just making these batters look absolutely ridiculous. And uh, he's ready to come up. He's ready. Like, he's ready, period. Yeah. <laughs> there there was a big kind of, I mean, I think one of the, the Rays have had a lot of contention right now. The, the Beckham trade we covered last week, or, you know, whenever the last time this podcast was, uh, still, people are still peeved about that i'm still just every day <laughs> the anger just doesn't go away you think it gets a little lighter it just doesn't it, it does hasn't every, better for me either it's just not it's it's a night i'm happy for him but it's also like i'm not like i would like him to you know i don't know get a couple singles that'd be fun like yeah good for tim <laughs> i don't want him to become like i i mean ugh, but it's not his fault because he is great and it is a better opportunity away from the trop um, but the biggest one beyond the Tim Beckham move was calling up, uh, Austin Pruitt to mm. start, uh, especially he had a, he had, he, I mean, Pruitt's, he, he pitched today, he pitched really well. Again, another really good performance from Austin Pruitt. He's gone toe to toe with Corey Kluber, uh, and he, and he kept the raise in the game. He went toe to toe with, uh, what was it? Chris, uh, or, Michael. 
Yeah, it was Dallas Keuchel. Dallas um, Keuchel, Austin, yeah. Keen of the, the mismatch. Austin Pruitt, King of the mismatch. Yeah, he's just been doing some amazing stuff, and then he also went toe to toe with Sale. Uh, yeah, like what? What is Pruitt doing? And he and he and the Rays were involved in each of those games. The Sale game, the Rays got shut out because, or they got really shut down. But you know, it happens. It's Chris Sale. They mm-hmm. got shut down pretty much today, and and kind of blew it late. Um, but then they also beat Keuchel. All three of those games, though, Austin Pruitt gave the Rays an absolute chance to win. And if the Rays' offense showed up a little bit, he would have gotten three wins against three of the game's very best pitchers. Mm-hmm. But it was a really interesting call. And it was one of those ones where it, it made a lot of people upset to say the Rays are calling up Austin Pruitt, who does he really give you a better chance to win than Brent Honeywell, who's doing these numbers? I think that has definitely Austin Pruitt's performance has helped to kind of ease that. But now you've time to turn the attention to Blake Snell. Yeah. Who is has not he's pitched I here's the thing with Blake Snell for me. I think he's getting a lot of heat. Um a lot of people, you know, kind of rag on him for the uh five innings instead of, you know, six, which he's he's had some really bad control. He hasn't had his best se- season. He's also been very unlucky and he's been really close to potentially having really good starts the last start out he actually was really really good had only one earned run given up went over uh six and in, in the third inning had a game score over 68 so he, he was pitching really well and that's what he can do his stuff is there he needs to command it but the rays are also in a really interesting spot where they are in the contention so you can't really let them figure it out but maybe do you call up Honeywell? Do you like how many starts does Snell? Yeah. Have? How much is Snell's leash right now? It's hard too. You, you at this point, I mean, like the Rays, you know, they're not calling up Honeywell for two reasons. They're call, not calling him up because they don't feel like he's ready in some capacity, whatever that is, or they're calling him up for like a service time thing. You know, the anathema to all the fans, everyone who's like, oh, it's for service time, and it might be something like that. I mean, Brent Honeywell is going. I mean, he has he has an ace ceiling. He might be with this team for he could be with this team for a while. So you never know. I mean, I, I'm less of I'm a little more of a defender of like the wait till you know super. I mean, this doesn't apply to this year, but wait till the super two deadline passes. Do that kind of thing. I understand the move. Um, that said, that doesn't really stop me from wanting to see Honeywell as much. I do think, though, that you're right when you say that that Snell has improved for sure. And one of the good things that he's really done is he's kept the strikeouts pretty consistent. He's still striking people out, and he's walking fewer people, which I'm really excited about. The last game, uh, last game he pitched against Cleveland, um, he walked a cu- he only walked two people. Game before that, he just walked one, even though that was the game that uh, Houston kind of you know, Houston did very well in that game and he only, he left after four innings, but he's doing better with the walks, which I think is what folks seem to, I would say sort of unfairly, it's, it goes part and parcel with the whole, he can't make it into the seventh inning kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The walks bring up the pitch count. They do all this. And then, you know, he maybe falls apart in an inning. He seems to be a victim of the of what Chris Archer had last year, which is like that one inning where everything just seems to go so poorly, gives up a bunch of runs in an inning or two, and then does pretty well for the rest of the game. You know, that that's tough, but to see him sort of cut down on the walks makes me think that he'll be he he's not he's not screaming to get demoted, right? 
Pruitt yeah, was someone yeah. who I kind of thought that maybe he'd be like if he puts up a couple more. He, his leash was even is even shorter than Snell's, and Pruitt's done very very well. And I, I think Snell is uh, – he's the kind of guy who I, I think is, if he can keep those walks down, he'll get into games a lot deeper just as is true with anyone. But to see him grow in that way is kind of – I hate to say it, but it's getting me excited about Snell again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think this is where people are very reactive and, and with good reason, I guess. But it, it's – these are the times I think to be – the caution can actually really benefit you in the long run. Uh, Blake Snell is a really young pitcher. He has performed really well in to- at times. He has performed really poorly in times. Uh, but his stuff is great. So he's a guy that you're going to give an extra long leash to. And it's because you've we've seen guys like... I'm not going to... you know I, It's hard to throw out the old Clayton Kershaw, but... Clayton Kershaw wasn't Clayton Kershaw from day one, mm-hmm. and and he had to have he actually had some control issues and kind of had to settle in and and Blake Snell I'm not saying he's going to turn into that, yeah. uh, but it's not impossible to have a a guy that has amazing stuff who has a little bit of command issues, especially from the left side, kind of figure it out later. He's also incredibly young. He's only this is still I think his like all in time altogether he still hasn't really pitched like a full season. Uh, between the half year last year and, and this year, he's not somebody you can just disregard because he was one of the best prospects in all of it, uh, one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. He is one of the guys that the Rays are counting on in the future. Um, and you're going to have guys like Honeywell and Snell together potentially leading the way for the next wave for the Rays. So I, I'm not like, I want to see Honeywell up. Basically, every day, I like, you know, it doesn't matter the move. Basically, I just want to see Honeywell up and I want to see him starting. I don't know what that, you know, how that happens. I just kind of want it. But I also don't want it to be at, you know, Snell's expense. or And right now, I don't really want it to be at Pruitt's expense because he has, you know, earned his way to get a few more starts. But I definitely think it's – I think there's another possibility with Honeywell that they're, they are holding him down because he is going to be kind of coming up to his innings cap soon and – as a starter, you don't want to necessarily get too into the idea of pushing for the playoffs and extending this young potential ace guy a little too much this year and potentially hurting him for the future. Uh, a few years ago, that kind of came about with the Nationals and Steven Strasburg, and they shut him down, and everybody really gave him a lot of crap for it. And who knows if that was the right call, but that's, I think, a similar situation. So. I think the raise and the money issue is always going to be a a thing. I I do think there are some real legitimate baseball reasons that aren't financial that you hold Honeywell down until September and then bring him up as like a bullpen guy. But I'm definitely ready to see him pitch. Just, you know, it's one of those things (laughs) where it's like every every game, like if we're going to get shut out, like at least let's see Brent Honeywell's reactions in the dugout. Like, <laughs> like, I, like at least that could help out the whole, you know, it'll ease the pain. I give, yeah, give Honeywell is, you know, a major league Twitter now and get him, get him like a Didi Gregorius kind of thing where after every loss, he'll have like an emoji tweet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, um, I'd love to see, Hon- I want to see Honeywell too. And as a fan, I'm screaming for him. Uh, but I think you're, I think you're right, Darby. I think this will be a, if it's, if it happens, it's going to be a September reliever kind of call up and not, to 
pick up maybe four or five starts or not even five starts, four starts in, in August. Yeah. And I think, I think it's one of those things where I think the decision was Pruitt versus Honeywell. I really think that was it. And I think if, uh, Odorizzi had been injured more with the, uh, with the, with the leg, I think it would have been potentially Honeywell, but I, I think it's one of those things where the Rays are going to play this a little bit safer. They usually do. They usually take the long, the long form, you know, look, they, they, they take the long way rather than be too, you know, into the macro into like the really right now. So I think it's, it's frustrating because you have this really shiny toy that you want to play with and you can't do it yet. You have to wait till Christmas, <laughs> which is September. Um, yeah. Now, Honeywell, there's some reasons why uh, you maybe don't hold them down. That's not money. The other prospect I want to talk about and a guy that could be the answer, um, though that's a little lofty, but a potential answer to the kind of first thing we we're talking about, the abysmal slump of the offense, especially with right-handed bats against lefty uh, pitching. And that's the other top prospect for the Rays, one of the 10 best prospects in all of baseball, Willie oh, Adamas. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so excited to see him. I'm so ready for the Adamas era to begin. This is an era, I will have to say, this is a guy that should be up right now. Yeah. There, there's no innings limit. There's no, like, you know, he's not destroying AAA exactly, but he's definitely not getting overwhelmed by it. He's still hitting a lot. He's defending well. He's he's doing really well. So, you know, he's maybe not just like exploding through AAA and demanding a call up, but Danny Hechevarria isn't exactly holding anybody down right now with his bat. If there's one good thing about the Tim Beckham trade, it's that it gave Willie Adamas a clear path to the major leagues. Maybe not this year. I hope this year, but T- uh, Willie Adamas is going to be the Rays shortstop of the future for a good bit of time. You know, here's hoping and all that. And and I think what I mean, you brought it up too about the hitting right-handed. The calling Adamas up fills a need, a much greater need for the Rays than calling up Honeywell would, especially with Austin Pruitt making pretty successful spot starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Echeverria. I I mean, Echeverria as far as I can tell, is a great guy and his defense is incredible <laughs> and awesome. But boy, has he been struggling. I mean, other than that one home run he hit to stop the race from being shut out again at, against Cleveland, he has had very, very little power. He's been striking out eights, even for a team that deals with strikeouts and is like, eh, you know, strikeouts, not that big deal. As long as you hit home runs, he strikes out more like often than anyone on this team, this incredibly high strikeout team. So, you know, it, uh, would I like to see Adamas up? Yes. Should I think he, do I think he should be up? Yes. Yeah, I think he should. <laughs> so you agree with me. That's a nice, long, long I do. we, we just, just yeah. agree with each other. We, there's no conflict. We just totally agree. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, Hedgeveria, so I mentioned this on the, on the last podcast with when it came with uh, the Tim Beckham thing. One of the reasons I was really frustrated with the Tim Beckham move was I didn't think there, that there was like a, a log jam right now. Unless you were going to call up Willie Adamas, there wasn't really a log jam. Hechevarria is a, a fantastic defensive shortstop, but he is a 
miserably bad offensive uh, shortstop. Now he he shouldn't be this bad. This is this is the worst he's ever performed ever at offense. He's striking out twenty percent of the time, and he's walking two percent of the time. He has an ISO around just a little bit above fifty, not not five hundred, <laughs> but fifty, which is like like three doubles or something. Uh, no, it is horror. His WRC plus is under fifty. It's that's Jose Molina. Those are Jose Molina numbers. Those are yeah. I mean Jose Jose Molina in a slump. I mean let's yeah. not let's not let's not. Uh, Jose <laughs> Molina can get off the bench. I think Jose Molina can can come right out, just walk onto the field, and he can post a forty seven WRC plus right now. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Um. So yeah. I mean, here's the thing with Hechevaria. He should not be our full time starter. And when you trade Beckham. You're basically saying Hatchavaria is the full-time starter at shortstop because I don't know why. I don't. It's a it's a really bad move. I don't want to get back into the Beckham thing. It'll just get me angry. I could could talk about this for 45 minutes, so I I, we might need to we might need to shift a little bit. But yeah, so so Hatchavaria being a full-time shortstop, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, especially not for a contending team right now. His his defense is fine, but that's a little overplayed. Willie Adamas is the move, I think. If you want to make a splash, if you want to make a, a thing, if you can't make a trade right now to get a right-handed bat, um, then this is the option. I, I I know it will start his service clock, but this is the type of thing. These are the type of moves right now that I think uh, these are where people get frustrated with the Rays. There's a lot of time where – this is where I get frustrated with the Rays. There's yeah. a lot of time the whole, you know, talk about like, oh, we're too cheap. You know, we hold people down, blah, blah, blah. We play game the system. A lot of the time, I, I don't really even care so much. Like, it, you know, there's one of those things like Honeywell's ready now, but we're also not hurting for starting pitching. And there are some other reasons I can understand. With Adamus, right now, we have like nothing. We are getting a black hole from shortstop. So while counting on a rookie to come in and like be your answer is not a smart idea, um, at any chance of the the way, he his his barrier his his bar is a two percent walk rate, a twenty percent right. K rate, and a forty seven WRC plus. So like I, I almost, think he just needs to be replacement level. Honestly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hatcheria has been negative WAR. If Adamus is positive, that is that's that's an improvement. That's that's yeah. a if you want to do the math, that is better. Um, I, he's a guy that I think could also be somebody that could really, I don't know. I don't really buy the whole idea of like, you know, trying to spark a team because it's not like these guys are just waiting around to be like, Oh yeah, play good. I get it. <laughs> um, it's, it's not really like that. Um, and it's not like Susan's walk up music that somebody just stole all their mojo like space jam. <laughs> but it is one of those things where baseball is of 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 any sport. It is one of the mo- biggest momentum sports, and we saw what Jake Faria did not only as a good player, um, but as a like a, a boost to that starting rotation. You had a big confidence when he was on the mound. Willie Adamas, if you have a young, exciting, and and by all all reports, one of like the best young kids that we have in the entire organization, like a guy that's like a natural born leader. Um, and, and a great clubhouse guy. This that could be a really like nice move. And the Rays kind of need to do something. We we don't we can't really upgrade the outfield. The outfield's looking good, and and Kevin Kiermaier is on his way back. 
Um, we have a lot of lefty sluggers. We have great lefty sluggers. Um, yeah. But we could use some production from shortstop. And we have this really, really exciting young prospect. And I really had the sense that right now the only reason they're not calling him up is because of money. And that that frustrates me because it, it, it calls into question, you know, why do you spend, you know, $2 million on a Denny Hechevarria, but then you're gambling a whole season because you're not going to try – to give a yeah. chance for somebody like Adams, just, just um, to try anything else, just to have a, someone who whose bat doesn't feel like a black hole in the lineup. Yeah, I agree, and that's one of those, you know that that that's uh, you know you, I talk to people, I you know it's baseball fans, and you know that's that's what folks who are more critical of the Rays will say. That's kind of just par for the course for this team, and I I disagree. I mean, you know, I mean, for the most part, this team has shown that it can spend more money. It's they went out. I mean. Getting that $2 million for Echeverria is something that they went and did. In 2010, when they went all in, they got that $7 million closer. They got Soriano. This team can ha- – it has the capacity to, to do this kind of stuff. It's not like it's a hard cap limit or any sort of hard service time limit that they're going for. And it is frustrating because, you know, this year, you know – we expected it because we're wonderful, awesome fans, but there were plenty who didn't expect the race to do this well. Didn't expect them to compete mm-hmm. and play legitimately meaningful game to be just a couple of days removed from being in the wild card and still clearly in the wild card race. Although I, I think everyone except for maybe like the Oakland A's and the AL is in the wild card race this time, uh, which is awesome for baseball. That's another thing I love that so much. But you know, yeah. this is like a, this this season is like found money in so many ways, and it's frustrating to not feel like. It sometimes it, it sometimes might not feel like the front office is doing everything that they possibly could, which of course is wrong, which is not mm-hmm. true. Everyone works extremely hard. But as a fan, I can't help but feel it a little bit. My brain tells me one thing. My heart tells me another. And it's just uh, nothing I can do about that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's the frustrating thing because there's – a lot of the moves the Rays made this uh, this deadline were incredibly smart, incredibly shrewd, just just fantastic. Like they were able to upgrade the bullpen without really giving up that much. They were able to get Lucas Duda to to replace Colby Rasmus's production, and he's been absolutely stellar. And then there's like the Tim Beckham move where you just, you know, it's hard to make it make sense. And then there's like, you know, Willie Adamas and Honeywell. So I think overall, it's very, for me, it's very easy to get down on, on like what's going on because it does feel like this is the opportunity to like take a chance. But I also really come back to trusting in this this organization. Um, Eric Neander, Bloom, Silverman, they, these guys have done incredible job with this team. They're built for the future. They haven't sacrificed anything really for the future. Mm-hmm. And they are still in contention this year. They're still just a few games back. And it's really impossible to predict just a ridiculous level of, of you know, slump like this. Yeah. And I think overall, Rays fans, it's really hard to, um, <laughs> it's really hard to, I guess, trust in that because you, it's it's easy to be burned before. But this team has kept fairly competitive year in and year out for the most part since 2008, and mm-hmm. they've done it with a shoestring budget. They've done it with limitations of losing players, and so when it comes down to it, I I do trust them. I do yeah. trust them. 
to do the right thing. And I do trust them that they are making things with, with, I guess, you know, more than just money in, in mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, this is like a time I feel like it's August. It's a, it's mid August. It's getting late fast. And it just seems like I really, the rays are right now, like on the precipice. Like this is a, yeah. a season that has been up and down. It's been, definitely more good than bad but the this seems like the season could just slip away really quickly yeah. in the next two weeks like by we, september you want to have meaningful games in september and i think the rays can do a lot in september i think just right now it's the really tough awkward time where you can't really do much yeah and you just kind of are stuck twiddling your thumbs waiting for the offense to figure it out it's true. So much depends on this offense. And as a sort of like to wrap up this kind of segment, I do like to, on a positive note, I do every time I feel kind of bad about maybe like the direction, the front office is going, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I'm worried if they're doing it. It's the best way to think about that is to think back to the David price trade, right? When mm-hmm. David price was traded and we got drew smiley and a couple other people, people were like, Oh, I don't know. But then drew smiley turned out to be even better and then David Price was towards the end of that year. And, of course, one of the guys that the Rays front office managed to pick up was a young kid that nobody had heard of in the Rays organization called Willie Adamas. And now Willie Adamas is like the top prospect. So that the sort of angle they've been taking where they, you know, just, just the, the prospect hunting and, and the direction that the front office has been going – it might take time, but it does. It's you know, it can work out. And in Willie Adams's case, it has worked out. Have faith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that is, I think, a good way to kind of uh, sort of put a pin in that is that this is a, a tough time, and it's and it's always tougher when there's no like easy solution. It's there's no like, oh man, just put the you know, like let's just get rid of this person, and like that's that's your problem, you know. It's always tough when there's really no like easy solutions and you're kind of just like, well, these guys will hit better. It will happen because that's the way things work. And so you just want to fast forward to that, which it's coming. It's just it's like waiting for like the next Game of Thrones. It's just like, (laughs) ah, this is miserable. You got to be like Hamilton. You got to wait for it. Oh, see, there you go. There it is. We got it. We got like the groaner uh, puns from Danny, the uh, the pre dad jokes, but we got the hot fire Hamilton references. <laughs> is, is it still hot and fire if it's been out for like three years? Is it still relevant? I hope I, so. I'm incredibly white, so yes, this is <laughs> this is as hottest and fire as I can I can get. White people um, love Hamilton. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it combines my my love of uh, of history with my um, desperate attempt to be cool. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, so this you know the Rays are still in this playoff hunt. We're in this race. There's some exciting things that are on the horizon, uh, and we can see them. And it's it's just kind of breaking over that horizon. So definitely still some fun stuff. I am overall optimistic, even though you know, things kind of feel a little bad. I definitely am overall optimistic, especially with the, the the future of this team. And I think everybody, I think if you're optimistic, you should definitely feel that way because it's a, it's, it is a good time to be a Rays fan. It just doesn't feel it right now, but you know, we're getting there. Um, right. 
one sort of thing. Was, I, the window is opening. The window isn't yeah. closing. Like yeah. maybe the Nationals. The window is opening, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to trade. You know, the Royals are ahead of us in the wild card standing, but I would not want to trade uh, no places with them. Their off season is going to be a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Kansas City, but hey, it was a good <laughs> run. Um, so the the Rays are trying to figure out this. We have some nice young prospects. There is a, 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 a just a couple more weeks left in August. Um, what are you looking forward to in the, like the next couple weeks besides like the Rays offense coming up? Is there anything like baseball related that you're looking forward to, whether it's about the Rays or whether it's not? Because for me, I'm I'm just as much as I'm a Rays fan, I really do love baseball and the late the last two weeks of August are like some of my favorite because it like it starts to set the table for one of the best months of sports uh, you can get, which is September. It just starts to build that excitement. And with the two wildcard spots, which baseball kind of added a few years back, it's kind of doing exactly that. You know, you have a lot of teams that could, you know, in two weeks, who knows who the, who the teams in the driver's seat are. Um, So these next two weeks are like some of my favorite, like I'm going to start, just binging all of these uh, multiple games besides the Rays games. I'm just so excited about seeing just Rays baseball and all baseball in general down the stretch. Cause this is the best time I think for baseball. Yeah, I, I am extremely excited to see how the AL wildcard shapes up. It's so cool. It's so exciting. I'm also kind of like a clo- like, you know, in a, in an oblique way, I'm a closet Seattle Mariners fan. Um, I like the Mariners just because, you know, the team is cool and the stadium is cool, but mostly because I, I sort of started to like them because they have failed for so long. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was almost, like, not even like a, like a pity thing, but a sort of just, there's something lovable, like maybe what the Cubs were a while ago and now they're the powerhouse. I feel like the Mariners could be the new Cubs. Um, you know, it's a shame that they're neck and neck with the Rays in the wild card race because my loyalty is certainly with the Rays, but, you know, I, I'm excited for that just to see, I'm, you know, the AL wildcard with everyone being, everyone and their grandmother being involved in it is so, it's so good for baseball. And I remember too, when the second wildcard was introduced, some of us, myself included on the blog and on the forums, we kind of understood it as like a sort of, um, anti-Rays move in a way because mm. when the Rays were doing well in 2010 and 2011 and what happened like those really consistently perennial playoff contenders there were moments when the Yankees and the Red Sox were not even making the wild card or winning the division mm-hmm. and so we saw it as, at least I personally saw it as MLB was like well we got to get one of them in somehow let's add another thing <laughs> to uh, Which, of course, isn't necessarily true, but it sort of felt that way. But now, looking back on it, it's probably – what it did for baseball is it made every single team and every uh, nearly every single team feel like they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, it increased the amount of buyers you have at the deadline, which is fun. You get more people moving around in, in an ideal world. Um, and it just makes you feel like you're playing more meaningful games in September even if you're not. And it will be interesting to see how the league adjusts because it's possible that, you know, in – 2005 or whatever you have a team you're two games back of the wild card maybe you feel like you're in a better spot there than if you're two games back in the second wild card nowadays because there are so many teams that are sort of consistently there with you unless you're in a league like the national league where the wild card teams seem to have been set since may or something (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more boring over there in the National League. Um, but yeah, this year it's 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 exciting. Everybody's kind of in this in this kind of run, and um, you know, it's these are the times I always think it's like really fun that the Rays are still in this, that we actually care that the Rays lost or they're struggling because you you know flash back to 2007 and before, and who cared if the Rays offense went into a slump? Who could even tell if the Rays offense went into a slump? Uh, <laughs> And and so it hurts more if you are not, you know, like last year we were rooting for a loss at the end of the season, or at least I was, to get a better, you know, get the second pick. This year, you every loss hurts and every win feels like you're on top of the world. And it's because the, the playoffs are right there. And I, as much as this is more painful, I would rather this feeling than, than you know, the, basically the, the kind of, the, almost apathy uh, that that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays franchise has had for the majority of its time, but not the majority of the Stuart Sternberg um, owned era. And so it is, you know, that's the, that's the thing to keep in mind, the pain. That's the, that's the true love because the pain actually hurts. It's better to feel something than nothing at all. Absolutely. Uh, Exactly. So with that, um, just gross sentimentality, <laughs> just sickening, sickening. How can, how can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not be? Oh, man. Oh, I love it. Um, so with that, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, we've just amplified the uh, the saccharine and the sappiness now that Danny's gone. We're just like oh, a bunch of bunch of saps. I love it. Um yeah, so so Brett, uh, what do you want to say to everybody listening now that uh, now that you are you are here, you have arrived. You're not just a guest star; you are now uh, a part of this uh, this three four headed monster that is the hit show. You know, I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know, I'm just helping the team win. Uh, came out there, had a good chance to win today, and I'm lucky that I got to be involved. And so I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like the uh, prospect, Brett Phillips. Exactly. Probably. Okay. I don't know. I've never heard him speak. Nobody else has either, so nobody can possibly correct me. I guarantee <laughs> not a single person listening could tell you what Brett Phillips, the baseball player for the Milwaukee Brewers, sounds like. I guarantee I don't it. Want, I know what his laugh sounds like. I saw that, but that's ah, all I know. That's all go. I'm going by. You are easily the the expert on Brett Phillips's. I am the biggest so. Brett Phillips fan in the world, and it's his parents have nothing on me. <laughs> excellent excellent all right well uh i had fun i hope you guys listening had a lot of fun and uh we will see you uh soon to talk about the uh resurgent Rays offense and the uh seven game win streak they're on way that's the future um so please continue to listen and if you like this show please give us a uh, a, a, a comment and a rating over on uh, iTunes. It really does help other Rays fans and other baseball fans find the show. Um, and as well, as always, definitely check out D Rays Bay. We have still lots of great content. Uh, I do feel like sometimes the struggles really fuels the writing. Uh, sometimes that just kind of fuels the creative passion. And so all of our just ridiculously talented um, writers are just in, you know, they're in beyond midseason form. They're already in September and October form. 
Uh, so always check out the mothership at dracebay.com. I know I always write my best game recaps whenever the Rays lose a game because I get a little mad. So <laughs> if, you have a, if the Rays lose a game and I'm writing a recap, be sure to read what I'm writing because it'll probably be like a short story about witches or something <laughs> that I'll do. <laughs> exactly. Now, and if you do like short stories about witches and uh, some great, great tweeting, uh, Brett, you also... I think we've said it multiple times, but I'm going to say it again. You are the D Rays Bay uh, Twitter guru, uh, Meister, Master. Ooh, Meister. In yeah, honor of Game of Thrones, you can call me Meister Phillips from that. Ooh, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. So uh, definitely at him on Twitter at uh, Meister Phillips at D Rays Bay <laughs> uh, Twitter account. Uh, but yeah, give us a follow. Uh, give us a shout. It's a it's worth following because we do try to keep the Twitter nice and loose and and pretty fun. And I I I think it's a good follow, even if I wasn't paid to say that. And I'm not paid to say that, so you know it's legit. Um, thank you guys so much. We will see you next time uh, for Brett Phillips, for Dustin in the studio, and for Danny on his Tim Beckham shame tour. Uh, I've been Dr. Robinson, and you've been listening. To the Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.